I discovered Bitcoin in 2012 and I had read the white paper so many times. I had seen it being used in the real world for a real use case with WikiLeaks and Silk Road. One day, if we do get there, we will be an entirely different species where, where things are much better on this planet. Welcome to Web3 and Wisdom for another journey into the heart of Web3, where knowledge is power and wisdom is key. And in today's episode, I have another interview for you, and it's with someone who's been in the blockchain sector for over 10 years. And we actually met in Thailand last year, where he invited my team and I to come over to his villa. So we got to meet him in person, have some really interesting deep conversations, and also film some content. I'm talking about Kyle Chasse, who leads Master Ventures with over 65 employees, and he's also the CEO of Paid Network, which you will learn all about today. His contributions to the blockchain industry started as early as 2014, with Kyle notably creating the first ever Bitcoin lottery. Kyle has also advised on tokenomics, product development, business growth, and fundraising for numerous projects in the space. And he's also an early investor into Kraken, Bitfinex, Thorchain, Elrond, and the list goes on. So when it comes to making smart investments and spotting them early on, Kyle is definitely someone you can learn something from. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. I'm so excited to reconnect. You know, we were like last time speaking in Thailand last year. A lot has changed since then. I feel like, you know, this industry is moving so fast. And, you know, first of all, my, my first question before we get into this interview is, how are you doing? How are you feeling right now? Well, uh, <clears throat> yeah, so for me personally, um, for me personally, I, you know, I've been through several market cycles before. And so, um, you know, and, and uh, so I personally am, am okay with that, you know, where, where I know a lot of people are kind of struggling because people tend to, you know, it's funny, people always look at kind of their portfolio and they're like, oh, like I was rich in, you know, last in, in the November, 2021. Right. And, and now I'm poor because I didn't sell, they beat themselves up. Um, you know, and I think that's uh, a really good thing. I forget who said it, but like, you know, your, your wealth isn't measured, um, you know, from peak to peak, but trough to trough. And so like, as long as you can, you know, have uh, your, your, your portfolio values higher next bear market than it is this one, like you're doing well. Um, but that I never really kind of think about that stuff too much. But what, what for me personally, what I did experience was like, um, I've been working, you know, nonstop, um, you know, without any type of breaks, probably since like 2007, early 2017. Um, and, you know, no vacations, like, you know, six days a week, long days. And I actually got because of probably the markets and most people kind of just being like, you know, things not really moving very fast, we're building a lot, but like, that's just, you know, um, I got really burnt out at the the um, the, the end of, of last year, and I and for the first time in a long time, I had I had like three weeks off, which was amazing. Like I didn't even didn't didn't really check portfolio, market, nothing. It was amazing. So that that really helped a lot. It gave me a lot of time to to think, reflect, um, and I had some really big kind of epiphanies uh, about what we were building, things we were doing, and uh, came back really recharged and excited for what's going on right now. Which is so uh, I highly recommend anyone feeling super burnt out, do yourself a favor because. At a point there, I was just kind of felt like a robot on things and wasn't really processing or, or able to think clearly. So, so I feel really good right now, um, and I think that I'm excited. Uh, you know, for this year, no matter what happens with the markets and prices and blah blah blah, um, I think that I know what I'm going to do this year as far as what we're building, what we're working on, and kind of the content that I create, what I'd like to share with people. So, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm now I'm good. <laughs> That's amazing. And I think that's a really good start to the conversation because I think a lot of people can relate to that. Whether you are in the Web3 and crypto space and you've gotten in during a bear market and then, you know, you're, you were on a high and you've experienced just the bull run or you came in in a bull run during the bull run and then you experienced the bear market for the first time. I think a lot of people, um, this was their first bear market. Obviously, you've gone through more cycles. Um, but then there's also the entire world going through like the pandemic and, you know, just unexpected or uncertainties in the world that all of a sudden there's a collapse happening and then it affects your business. It affects your life. Um, so maybe just just to 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 wrap up this first question, um, what is maybe one thing that you can you can give as an advice because you've gone through so many cycles to keep in mind maybe when people people are on that high, when we're back in a bull run and everybody's excited, what is something you know that maybe you now would do differently? Well, 
Um, I, I just, cause one of the things that you said just kind of really triggered a thought of mine. And maybe if this doesn't answer your question that you'd like, just ask me again after I, I finish it. But, um, I think one of the things that we have now learned and, and, you know, let's go back to like the pandemic, you know, um, for me personally, something like the vaccine didn't feel right. And so, you know, for me, I, I chose to, to not do it. Um, and you know, and I was and to people that I loved and cared about, like I was very outspoken that, I, you know, um, and I actually like got uninvited to family events when I went back to California, you know, to the United States to, to join them. Um, and I feel like now with a lot of the evidence that's coming out and, and as more evidence comes out, you know, about uh, this vaccine, no matter how people and, and I don't care if you, you know, I'm not saying that you should be or I don't care what you do with your with your body. Um, but I do think that people should be informed and make their own decisions. Um, but uh, but I do feel like now a lot of people that were acting like totally crazy, um, you know, saying that they don't care if people die and they should all die if they don't get a vaccine. But but um, I feel like there's probably some some vindication coming, um, you know, soon when we start getting more facts and as you know, these kind of things. Um, that's one thing. But that's I don't, I don't want this to be about that. I, I, it's one point I want to make in the, in the series of many, um, you know, we then you look at uh, things that happen. Um, like Three Arrows collapsed, right? Which was Three Arrows, you know, for those of you who aren't aware, um, was like the, uh, the, 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 the most tier one trusted, everyone looked up to them kind of, uh, you know, VC hedge fund in the crypto space that even people from my team were saying, oh, we need to do things, more things like them. And I'm like, no, we just need to do what we feel is right, what we're doing, you know? And, um, and, uh, and then you have things like SBF and FTX where people, he was, he was the darling, the poster child of crypto and da, 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 da. And, Everything about those things I mentioned, in my opinion, um, you know, they, they were all doing things for the wrong reasons, right? And, uh, and you look at, you know, um, you look at the, like the crypto space, Web3 space, and, uh, and what has failed us, what has, what has lost, you know, harmed our reputation, what has caused us damage, um, has been centralized, total traditional companies with, with profit models, uh, without valid token use cases, um, who people put their trust in. Um, Celsius, for example, you know, like that, that's ended up, uh, you know, cost. And again, you, you go back to, um, you know, you go back to a lack of transparency, you go back to having to trust entities that take their word for things. Um, and this for a very long time, you know, generations since, since we've had, since we started industrializing and like, um, we've had these centralized institutions that, you know, never seem to, to, to let us down when it comes down to, uh, putting our faith and trust in them. And this is the reason why, you know, block the Bitcoin Satoshi was created. This is why so the cypherpunks were working on a decentralized, uh, you know, money. And, and, uh, and you, you know, one of the things that I, the point I want to make is that um, for anyone listening, is like, just don't take things at face value when they're presented to you um, as truth, you know, like always question everything and, uh, and, and, and maybe ask yourself if there's some sort of um, maybe alternative reason or motive why people are doing things. Um, and then when, when there's alternatives presented for systems that exist in the world, um, you know, maybe take them, research them and understand why they were created and if, and if it, it's a valid use case. And so uh, for the sake of crypto, uh, you know, even though the 2022 was a horrible year um, and it cost us dearly with credibility and trust, um, and because of that, we'll probably, you know, bring in a lot of uh, overarching, unfavorable types of regulations. Um, I do think, though, that it should teach some lessons. It should, it should again, prove that uh, that centralized player, it, players shouldn't be trusted and that there was a reason why the DeFi protocols still existed. Aave, Compound, Maker, they all did fine, no matter how what kind of Black Swan events happened. So um, I think that that's the biggest takeaway for, for me. And, and again, you know, uh, it's just the market, you know, markets being markets and shaking out the, 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 the bad actors who shouldn't be here. Um, and I, I hope that's, uh, you know, something that, that people pay attention to. Yeah, I think that's that's important to keep in mind. And what you mentioned there, right, the initial reason as to why people got into the space. Um, I can tell you're very passionate about this topic, but I'm sure there's more to it beyond, you know, um, the realization of the centralized institutions where, where maybe there was, a, where there was a point of realization for you when you saw that, okay, maybe this isn't, you know, what it is supposed to be, it's not, it doesn't protect the people. There isn't that, that trust transparency that can be placed. And so let me look into alternatives. Um, but you got in super, super duper early, like 
super early, over 10 years ago now, right? Like this is, it's, it's absolutely crazy. So how, maybe you can share a little bit more about your background and how did you even get into the space and um, yeah, what triggered what triggered your passion to then move into the Web3 and space and blockchain? Yeah, that, I mean, that's that word passion is exactly why. Uh, so, you know, before Web3 and crypto, I was in regenerative medicine, anti-aging, um, you know, and that was started off as a, as, a, as, a, as a passion and a hobby, just researching and learning. And then uh, I, I got connected to some really good people and started a business for it. And I did, I did and still do love that. Like, you know, I recently got stem cells and I, I would like to, you know, explore that, continue to explore that and, and hopefully live forever or at least, you know, extend my, my life. Um, but, but, uh, but I discovered Bitcoin in 2012 and, um, and from 2012 into 2013 was the same time I started my company in reverse aging. And, uh, I became so, the more I learned about Bitcoin, um, you know, the, and, and the kind of the, the more I started to plug in a little bit to the community and, and understand who was involved, um, the more I became obsessed with it to a fact to the point where like I couldn't really focus on other things. And, um, because it was, because it, it resonated with me so much. Uh, you know, I, I grew up, you know, for some, for, I don't know what it was that sparked my interest in things like, you know, conspiracy theories, right. But, you know, and some of them are far-fetched, but, but a lot of these kind of conspiracy theories, um, are based off of some, some degree of truth or, or all of them, even like the like federal reserve is not a conspiracy theory. That, that's like just very much like, uh, a scam. Um, and the the monetary systems of these are a scam, and the and you know things like uh, democracies, like the United States democracy, that um, you know makes people believe that they actually have a voice in the way that things work, is also a, a big you know it, it's just an illusion to make people feel like they have a voice uh, when in reality they don't. And um, so I I knew all of these things, and and, and it bothered me uh, before I learned about Bitcoin. But when I when I did learn about Bitcoin, I was primed mentally um, to to be really open to, to something like this, because it was, because I thought about it before Bitcoin. I thought like, how can I, you know, do something in my life that hopefully improves life or the situations on this planet for those underprivileged, the people who, you know, who, who don't have a, sh a chance and maybe try to create like a more equitable world and, or even just in, even in America, but you know, all of it seemed pointless because all the systems that were designed were designed to, to allow the people in power to always stay in power. And, um, and so I just, I didn't ever vote it. I was quite, quite discouraged, but then I discovered Bitcoin and, and said, wow, this is something that could allow us to circumvent these kind of centralized means of control and uh, got me really, really excited about it. So, um, so I just wanted to kind of experiment in, in, in the space. And so I sold my company in, in reverse aging, used that money to buy Bitcoin uh, back in 2000, like early 2013, and then started um, building a Bitcoin lottery. And, uh, and that was fun. I, I don't know if that was just a, um, just kind of a, it was just kind of a hobby. Like I, you know, maybe, maybe at the time I thought it was going to be something big, but like I maybe gravely uh, underestimated the amount of time it would take for this adoption to happen. Or if it, I was at the time, I, I knew like kind of when I, when I really, really understood what Bitcoin was, I did, I did have a strong feeling that it would always be around um, to some degree, right? I, I just wasn't sure if it would, it would one day would only be used for like the underground and, and cartels and stuff like that, or if eventually it would become, you know, massive mainstream for everybody. But did you see it as Bitcoin first, just the cryptocurrency, or did you in, like right away understood and, and like were more excited about the potential of blockchain? Because I feel like there is a big difference between, you know, being excited about the crypto aspect and like Bitcoin itself or the technology, or did that come later? Bitcoin and blockchain were the same thing. It was one and one back in the day because you didn't have altcoins, you didn't have smart contracts. Um, and so you, you didn't really distinguish them from one from another. You know, in fact, like it, it's actually the most confusing of Bitcoin and Bitcoin because um, most other things, like let's say like uh, Ethereum is the blockchain and ETH is the cryptocurrency, Solana and Sol, you know, Cardano and ADA. Um, but Bitcoin and Bitcoin <laughs> were the same thing for the blockchain and the, the crypto. Um, and, you know, you, you can't, and with an open, permissionless, public, censorship resistant, immutable uh, blockchain, you can't have one without the other, right? Centralized blockchain, yeah, sure, you don't need cryptocurrency, but for a public one, you do. Um, and so it didn't, they, I didn't really distinguish between the two of them, uh, you know, for, but for me, it was like, what can I do using Bitcoin um, to, to do something? And, and, uh, and I understood that, you know, also part of the inspiration was, um, you know, around the WikiLeaks thing. So in like, you know, 2013, that's when Julian Assange and WikiLeaks, uh, you know, started leaking all his documents and uh, every single payment rail in the world shut down uh, access, uh, access for people to donate to WikiLeaks. Um, and they had 
a big job to do. I think it was like 60,000 pages of, you know, classified documents that they needed to try to responsibly release, which means that, you know, people need to go through those and redact things like, uh, you know, names of people that might be in danger and blah, blah, blah. Um, and so, you know, they had a lot of work to do and uh, really didn't know what to do about accepting donations until uh, Bitcoin came along. And so that was like, wow, okay, cool. This is a great example of someone, in my opinion, who's doing something great for the for human society, um, where the, the, the people in power uh, do what they thought they could do at the time in order to, you know, really slow them down or stop them. And that was, you know, to, to stop uh, funding. And, and they did that. They successfully did that. You know, MasterCard, PayPal, everybody didn't allow funding to come in. Uh, and then they started accepting Bitcoin and it did. So boom, that, that is a, its first real use case, um, in my opinion, for something super disruptive. Um, you know, obviously Silk Road was disruptive, but you, you could be, um, and I think, you know, free open markets like that, I, we can go into an entire different discussion on why I think that something like Silk Road is, is, is a really good idea um, and how it would reduce harm in the world. It would, you know, like I can go into an entirely different conversation about all that stuff. But anyway, um, like that was the first political kind of use case uh, that I thought was interesting. And, and so that was like, wow, okay, that was the first thing probably in history that a lot that that kind of uh, didn't allow those central that the powers that be didn't allow them to kind of stop something from happening, you know. And that was that was uh, that was eye opening to me. So that's when I kind of was like, "Yep, this is it. This is what this is what I want to be doing." Amazing. I mean, you know, you really have to have a certain type of character to not only see that, but then to go out of your way to invest in it, and you know, take on that that risk that a lot of people talk about when they first get get into the space. You know, they're a bit hesitant if you're more risk averse. Um, but if you fully understand the picture, I actually think there's like lesser risk to uh, there's more risk involved to not get involved and not getting involved, right? Because it's like the depreciation of the fiat fiat uh, monetary system. Well, the, the psychology was pretty simple for me, right? Like uh, when I got, when I, when I had to make the decision, do I want to take um, my, my fiat and, and put it into Bitcoin? Um, I, I said, okay, well, I know there's a, f a fixed supply of Bitcoin. So the, the supply is fixed. Um, do I think that in the future, more people will use Bitcoin than do today? And like, that seemed super obvious to me at the time. Like, like I said, even if it's just for the underworld and, and, you know, corrupt governments and blah, blah, like, but I think that it still would still have a use case no matter what. And so I guess I think that, the, you know, today, the question is like, do you today think that more people will use Bitcoin in the future than they do today? And I think you think the answer is yes. Well, then you have simple economics, you know, 101 and the price should increase. Um, well, will increase. It has to. If, if supply, if demand increases from supply, like boom. Uh, so yeah, that was, it was a pretty easy decision for me at the time. Plus, you know, I was young and like, you know, I just didn't really, and, and, I, and I was, I had so much conviction at the time. Like, and that's, and I think that's one of the things that, um, that a lot of people who get into crypto don't take the time to truly understand what the f they're investing in. They don't know, you know, like, so I think, I think a lot of people understand what Bitcoin is, right? It's a, it's a, you can call it a, a, a digital gold that's probably more value because it has, has better aspects. It's, it's easily, more easily divisible. It's transportable. Uh, you know, it's pseudonymous. It, it's, you know, it, has, it actually has a real, uh, a real defined artificial supply, unlike gold. You know, gold, we have no idea how much is in the planet. You know, we might find a huge nugget the size of, you know, like Mount Everest. I, who knows, right? Or asteroid or whatever. Um, but you, we know what the, the, artificial, what the supply of Bitcoin will ever be. People understand Bitcoin pretty well and its use as a currency um, and mining and all that stuff. But, you know, when it comes down to like altcoins, uh, people have no idea what that coin is supposed to do. Um, and I think that some people would just think maybe it's a share of a company uh, or whatever. And, and, and so they don't they don't understand it. But the point is, is that, you know, conviction. So if, if you, you know, like, um, you know, if you're going to invest in an altcoin, understand uh, what that token is for, um, you know, how is this product that, it, that the, the, the thing that that's the ecosystem that's being built and uh, that has this token, like um, what is the, how are they going to create value? Like what's, what kind of value and revenue are they going to do? And then what, where does that value flow? And, and, and does it flow into the token or do, do, do is it like a, a normal centralized business that has like revenue generation that goes in the pockets of the founder and they have this token floating over here that kind of does nothing, right? And that's the case of like FTX and FTT, right? It's just token over here. There's nothing and people valued it in the tons of billions of dollars, but it, it didn't make any sense, right? Like if all the, if, imagine if all the money that FTX ever made went into the token and token ecosystem, like that would have been a super valuable token, right? But it, but so, so this is like, there's a, so much, so the point is conviction, right? So at the time when I understood Bitcoin, 
I had read the white paper so many times. I had seen it being used in the real world for a real use case with WikiLeaks and Silk Road. Um, and, and to me, I had conviction. So, so in today's market, you know, I think people invest in something without understanding, don't have conviction, and you know, they buy it with FOMO because all their friends are doing it, and they, did, they haven't done the research, they don't have conviction, and the second it starts going down, they think, oh, it was, it's a fucking scam. Why am I so stupid? I fell for it. And then they sell it, you know, and that's the majority of people. That's how you end up getting wrecked and then make bad decisions. Um, but, you know, if you understand what it is and you think and you still believe in the idea, even if the price goes down, um, you know, then you can understand that, hey, like this is just market cycles and, and, and you know, yeah. And then take the opportunities if it goes down, if you think this thing's going to be, you know, worth a lot in the future. Right. And so you did that with Bitcoin, but what was your conviction and where did, how did you spot the value so early on? Because you're also an investor in Kraken and Coinbase, Bitfinex, Torchain, Elrond, and the list goes on of like highly valuable companies now. But how did you spot those early on? Um, I mean, Bitcoin, I think that's clear to everyone now, but you know, now everybody's looking for the next thing. And so how do you get there? Well, I, you know, I was also um, like, I'm also in a, quite an early investor in Ethereum, but um, but at the first when Ethereum launched or was, was, was doing their ICO, I didn't invest in it. I, I, I wish I would have looking back, but I thought it was a scam. Like I, I was definitely a Bitcoin maximalist at the time Ethereum was being built. Um, and, uh, and so I didn't do the ICO, but, um, but because uh, I was doing the lottery back in the day and because um, sometimes I would sell Bitcoin locally, uh, you know, for cash to, to pay for things, um, I, I would do that sometimes. And so I would meet a bunch of different people, you know, in LA that, that, uh, that wanted to buy Bitcoin. And, and um, you know, I, most people, I didn't ask them what they wanted it for, but, but one guy came up to me like urgently wanting Bitcoin. And, uh, and I, you know, I'm like, he's like, yeah, I need, I need this Bitcoin so I can go trade it for Ethereum. And I was like, and I was like man, isn't that like a scam? He's, he's like, no, no, it's like super awesome. I, like, I'm, we're building this dApp and we're going to do this thing and this is what we're doing and how it's going to work and this is smart contracts. And so I was like, okay, well, like, this sounds pretty awesome. Um, and then I went and took a second look and that's when Ethereum was like two bucks. And that's when I decided to like, you know, go in, go into it at that time. Um, and then, you know, and then it was like, and then some years I passed by. So like most of my equity investments. So if you look at the portfolio of Master Ventures, um, you'll see like, uh, like the big centralized things like the Kraken and Coinbase and like Bitfinex. And you know, like these are, these are all equity investments. Um, even Ripple is an equity investment. Uh, and so for me, it was, uh, it, it was, it was. I wanted to, I wanted to diversify. I wanted to diversify. Like Bitcoin was all I had at the time, and it had gone up in value quite a bit. By the, those investments are all from like starting in 2015 all the way up until like 2000. The equity took like maybe 2019 or something like that. But um, but yeah, I wanted to invest in the space, in the infrastructure of the space. So I I, I had some good good connections of people that had access to these kind of deals. Um, and uh, and yeah, most of them, I you know. They just seemed like they were, they were kind of the first in the markets that were doing something that seems quite, quite good. Um, there's also some other investments that I made that, that didn't, didn't end up so well in, in the early days. But I just wanted to invest in everything that was building blockchain infrastructure. And so it was, it was like smaller checks, um, you know. And, uh, and then, you know, in 2017, when I started investing in tokens, um, you know, like that, I was, I was pretty skeptical about 2017 ICO stuff. Um, didn't mean I, did, I didn't invest, and it didn't mean that I didn't I didn't get I didn't fall victim to like massive FOMO and some of them that, that got totally wrecked. But um, but I, I did have a better idea than most about what the utility of tokens were, and I had a pretty good bullshit meter at the time too. Um, and so you know I, I could kind of tell. And uh, and but you know I think in 2017 I, I probably invested in maybe like probably only like 15 projects or something like that. And I I think that um, you know I think maybe five or six of them ended up being very, very valuable. The rest of them, I think, went to zero. And I, I just held them all. I never sold anything. And so I still have the bags of the ones that are doing really, really well. Um, and the other ones, I, I think I've, I, I have zero liquidity. I can't sell them, nothing like that. So that's, yeah, that, that's amazing to, to hear sort of that journey. And you said you invested first. The focus was on like blockchain infrastructure. It moved to tokens. Uh, what, what is the focus right now for Master Ventures? Uh, what areas are you looking to invest in? I think that, um, yeah, so for me, uh, like, you know, people go, oh wow, you invested in Coinbase really, really early. That that you know, must have been huge. Uh, no, I, I mean like most of. My, I mean, I don't actually know what it's worth because I I, I don't know. I, 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 I like literally all of my equity investments sit into in the, in the kind of account where where uh, where they were being issued, and I don't even know what to do if I wanted to sell them or or if I can. You know, um, I'm just kind of leaving them there for one day, and hopefully they're worth even more. But but um, but the point is, is that like 
for equity investments to be realized, uh, you know, that's, that's why crypto, like crypto investing as a VC is much different than like traditional equity investing as a VC. Whereas in traditional equity investing as a VC, like you typically need to, you, you might invest in a, in a pre-seed or, or seed round or whatever. But um, most of the time, these investors need to wait for a public, like an IPO, before they get, you know, can start selling the shares. Um, I think there is some way for for privately them to sell shares amongst like, uh, but but mostly you need to wait for an IPO. And so, a lot of time those investments either do really really well or they go to zero. Whereas in in crypto, um, you know, you almost all almost every single company at least has a token launch where there's some some ability to have liquidity. And so maybe even if it does super poorly. Maybe you can still recoup, you know, 10, 20, 30% of your investment. Um, I forgot what, the, what was the original question. Oh, yeah. So, so but now my focus is, is, is I love, um, I really love the idea of token economics, uh, the way they're created. And, um, and so we usually when I'm doing due diligence calls uh, as an investor, I'm just, I'm, that's, that's kind of the one thing that like, yeah, I want to hear what you're doing and if it's cool and innovative and who you guys are. Um, but a really easy disqualifier for me is, you know, what's the use case of the token and why is it going to accrue value and, and as, as time goes on? And do you have an equity, like a, a cash equity model in here somewhere that is, is extracting value from the token? And if so, like, then I'm probably out. Um, and then just the fact that, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I like investing in tokens more than I do equity. Um, but, I, you know, but, I, but, but people need to understand, though, that... Um, some some projects or companies just should not have a token. There's just no use for it. Um, and so if you if you're building a product that has no use for a token and you ask me to invest in, it, I'm just not going to. I might love your idea and think it's super revolutionary, and then maybe I'll 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 be interested in some equity or something like that. But um, but I think yeah. So so now moving forward in in, in 2023, um, you know we're we're still. Definitely investing. You know, Master Ventures has uh, the side that is an extension of myself, the, pr the private equity side that that um, you know has has invested forever, and then we also have an LP fund, um, and uh, we have you know the LP fund is more structured. It's it's more you know it, it's definitely not going to take like DGen types of plays like like I will personally. Um, but uh, but yeah, moving forward in twenty twenty three, I think that um, if if the market picks up and we see some type of bull run. Um, even in, or if this is 2024, I definitely think like one of the narratives is going to be AI and just because it's hot and like, you know, you always have these narratives and, and people need to be careful. Um, you know, and I think that's, I think that one of the things to learn too, and one of the things that we should have learned, um, you know, people from looking back, it's like, okay, so let's say that we move into another bull market and there is another hot narrative that like, like GameFi was or the last one, right. Or metaverse. So I think that, you know, um, like I definitely think that AI and blockchain is going to be a huge narrative and it's going to be crazy. But I think that people need to, you know, what I'm, what I'm going to do moving forward, like, like GameFi, we saw it take off, Axie Infinity, people, like, and I didn't, you know, for a while there, and it happens so easily in a bull market for you to forget your basics, forget your fundamentals, you know, and just FOMO into something because it's, because it's, you know, it's making money and you're like, I don't even care. It's, you know, but, but then you end up, you know, then you end up, uh, then the market comes down and the, and the, th the projects that weren't really building the right thing for the right reasons, they they don't survive and 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 if so, you know if I'm investing in something that I, I think is going to be around for a long time, and uh, and I miss the opportunity to take some profits in in a, in a you know when it's really up and we go into a bear market okay okay I'm fine I'm fine waiting another two three four years because I know that you guys raise enough money I know that you have a really good use case a team that understands what you're building um, why the token is good and uh, so really you know um, so so Master Ventures has. Uh, evolved um, from early days being strictly advisory and investment to then it was advisory investment and uh, and and accelerating or incubating and uh, and that was great and so I, I've really proven um, you know my ability to to understand kind of the, the natural process of going to market and how to support that um, and then you know we, we actually took all that knowledge and then you know launched paid network in uh, in, in January 2021 um, and that was that was that was great. Like um, we, we literally started started thinking about it in a bear market. Um, you know, for the first like three months or whatever, we, we tried to raise money. No one would, would write money to uh, write us a check. <clears throat> and then all of a sudden, once the first check came in, it was like crazy. We only raised two. We were only raising two million dollars, and I think we had over six hundred million dollars of requests of people that wanted to invest into it. And it was just it was insane. Um, and then we had that that bull market. So, um, but but yeah, to answer your question, like uh, we've evolved from supporting, advising, 
incubating other people's projects to working on our own. Because what I've learned is that there's very few people in the space that really understand it as deeply as I do. Um, and, uh, and you have a lot of first time founders, you know, who are, who are in the crypto space raising money and, um, and they just, they, I've been let down a lot. Let's say that like some people that we've incubating, they either like don't honor their, honor the agreement that we've had before. So we've had some success, successful ones that didn't want to pay us what they owed us and tokens. And that was disappointing. And so what we've, you know, and I can go on. And in fact, we're actually building things within paid network and we're building a layer one right now too. Let, let, let's talk about that a little bit. So you said paid network, right? And um, just so people understand and have a little bit of context. So um, you said that paid network at its core is like a network that is an easy way to integrate, negotiate, manage business contracts using or utilizing smart contracts for payment, escrow and more. So maybe you can get yeah, that. That's just like a brief overview that you gave in another interview. But maybe you have some examples so people understand what you're building there and um, the value of that. You know, as, a, as an entrepreneur, like, I've gone into a lot of different situations where people where I've had partners or investing into something, um, you know, a lot of like business deals that you make. And when you do those, you make agreements with people. And, um, you know, most of the time those go fine and both sides honor their end of the agreement and everyone's happy. And, and that, that fifth, that complicated, you know, legal, legal agreement that no one understands, like was never, was never needed to be used for any, anything. But, but there's been a couple of times in my life or a few times where, um, actually more than a few times now, uh, but, uh, you know, in the, in the early days, um, there was someone that screwed me over on something, uh, committed fraud, and uh, and I needed to. I, I wanted to. It wasn't it wasn't a huge value. It was only twenty seven thousand dollars, but um, this was in two thousand sixteen, and uh, that's too big for small claims court. Um, so we had to go through civil court, and uh, in that process, for anyone who's listening who hasn't gone through a lawsuit, um, it is ridiculous. That that whole thing took me seven years, uh, countless hours of my life. And uh, I think like two hundred thousand dollars in legal costs to, and, and I did win the case, and now, and now the guy owes the legal fees and the twenty seven thousand dollars, and maybe a little bit for damages. But now, how do I collect the money from him? Because they're not, they're not you know, they're not going to go, uh, they're not going to send him to jail unless he pays. Like you have to actually try to get him to go through the right things, and and it, it's just impossible. So that, so I learned that we have a really, really inefficient system, and so I, I started thinking about how do we, you know, how do we, you know, let's let's look at again, like I guess in the beginning, I'm a systems innovator. Let's look at the, this kind of agreement and dispute resolution uh, system that we have in the world. It was created a long time ago, right? Really, really, really long time ago where, uh, where like courts uh, were probably very efficient. You, you lived in a, small, in, a, in a small little tiny city or town where the court was there and like, you know, probably seldom there was, there was dis disagreements, but the, the court system probably wasn't backed up. They probably could see your entire court case through in a, in a day or a week or two weeks, whatever. You know, it wasn't like you come in for one day, the judge says two things, says, okay, I'll see you guys in four months, you know, and, and the, mean, the meantime that your attorney's still billing you the entire time. Like back in the day, those, those court systems probably worked pretty well. Uh, but, you know, as, as, that, as it started to get backed up um, and things got more complicated, more laws, you know, super complex space to navigate. And now that we're more decentralized and, and, there, and now that there's international corporate structures that are set up to, to, to kind of uh, protect you from lawsuits and things like that, uh, that whole process has become really, 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 really difficult and very expensive to actually, uh, you know, to, to, to actually sue somebody if they screw you on a deal. So, um, so I wanted to solve this problem. Uh, I, I thought about, you know, how to do it through like a decentralized, um, you know, system. And that's what paid network, uh, it wants to become is we want to, you know, become a, what we're calling smart agreements, which are, uh, you know, very simple agreements that, you know, if you and I agree to do something, uh, like, let's say that you're going to build me a website and like, you're going to charge me this much money. And we, we, we talk about it for like a few minutes on what the terms are. And then like, you know, we shake hands or virtually shake hands. And like, that's, that's, that's it. Like then, then for some reason in today's world, you know, we, we make this very simple agreement and then it goes off to lawyers to make it very, very complicated for us. And then we both don't understand it. We just assume that the lawyers did their job. Um, but why not remove, since we know that lawyers are expensive and, and, uh, and inefficient, um, and they have, they have no, they, they have actually no motivation to end a lawsuit quickly. They want to drag it on as long as possible so they can keep billing you. Um, and then, uh, and so like now that we know that that process doesn't work, um, and that we can understand these agreements, like why not just, uh, have an alternative way to resolve disputes, um, in a quick and efficient manner, that's way cheaper, uh, like an eBay dispute, right? So like you and I get into a thing because like, um, like you, you didn't deliver the website to me when you said you were going to, and now like I'm bummed or like, you know, wasn't as we kind of agreed. So now, uh, like you didn't build it you didn't build it how you said you were going to do or whatever. Um, so now like what, what paid will allow you to do is essentially, 
um, essentially go into a dispute and that's solved through like decentralized anonymous arbitrators. And like, it's a lot of detail, but high level, like we're creating a, a new way for agreements to happen in the world. Um, and, and that's going to take a long time to do. And uh, that has led us down. Uh, so we're doing a lot of things there, paid, pivoted at the last minute to, um, because it would take a long time, a, a, a launch pad, which is still paid ignition is a, a crowdfunding platform, which we've been building in the bear market, a lot of really new cool features uh, that I can't wait to tell people about. And, uh, and then, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I could ramble on forever, but maybe you have something else. No, but, but I think that gives us a really good overview, you know, how creating this self-sufficient, uh, legal system in a way, right. Where, um, it, things just happen more smoothly, more effectively, um, and de in a decentralized way. Um, so I'm curious about your more general view on decentralization and that evolving, you know, within the next five to 10 years, because decentralization and I, so my personal opinion on this is that I don't believe all systems need to be fully decentralized. Um, I don't think every single company, every single um, cryptocurrency maybe um, needs to have fully decentralized features. Um, what is your take on it? And where do you see this, the space of decentralization evolving? Like, is it going to, you know, people, some people are afraid, oh, is our, is our entire world going to be fully uh, decentralized? And then does that mean when there's no sort of central point of control, it's, everything is my responsibility. So when something goes wrong, then basically screwed. So just like with the wallets, right? If you lose your keys, then um, that's on you. Um, so how do we find that balance? And what's your take on decentralization and where it moves in the next five to 10 years? Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. So I think, I think that um, it's important for people to first understand too, uh, just something you touched on. I'll, I'll go into that quickly and then I'll get into more of the question, but um, people need to understand that, uh, that there's a false sense of security with the uh, the things that we rely on today. For example, I heard a statistic the other day that the FDIC, who everyone thinks that their their money in their bank account is is insured and backed, um, is uh, I, I think that they have about I think it's twenty, I think I don't know if it's like twenty seven trillion dollars um, in, in accounts that they're supposed to be insuring. Um, I don't know what the number is for sure, but it, it, it's it's huge, right? Uh, and I think that they have one hundred twenty three million dollars of cash, right? So like so. If everybody wanted to, if, if everybody actually wanted to, you know, like use the FDIC because like whatever happened, like there's just not, it's not, it can't cover it, right? It can't cover the promises that they made. Um, same thing with banks, right? There, there's, there's a, you know, a fractional reserve. And so if there's all of a sudden an emergency in the bank run, like your bank's not there, you know, it's, it, they're actually using it to make, they're actually using it to do other dumb things in the background. So we have to understand that these systems are are all facades too, right? And we, we know that. Um, the banking systems and the financial systems, they're, they're full of corruption, they're laundering money, uh, they're using money to do dumb things. And, then, and, and, and now we've, you know, in 2008, we, we've given the banks the assurance that, hey, um, if, you f if, you, if you fuck up and you severely abuse uh, what you're supposed to be doing and make mistakes, there's no consequences for you anymore, right? Like, but, you know, in 2008, those banks that, that were under, they should have went under, but, uh, but we bailed them out with taxpayer money. So I think it's important to, to, to know that, like, um, and I, I bring that up because uh, of the of the self responsibility issue, right? Like, um, you know, it, like yes, uh, it is a different paradigm for you to understand, uh, you know, to, to to take possession and to be your own bank. Um, but it's, it doesn't take a whole lot, a whole lot of time to learn how to to do it properly to, to secure your assets. Um, and once you do, you know, like hey, you put you put your assets on a cold wallet. You know, make sure that you know you take care of your seed phases properly. And now you're on bank and you don't have to rely on anybody else. And that's the whole purpose of, of blockchain cryptocurrency is to never have to trust anybody ever again. Don't trust verify. That's our motto in the space. Um, and that means, you know, all open source code can be audited and we can see that people aren't lying and we can see exactly what's happening. And I think that's awesome. Um, and so to answer your question, uh, yeah, not everything should be decentralized, but I do think that, uh, I do think that everything that can be, can be, uh, that can be decentralized and be more efficient and provide a better service and value will be eventually. Uh, and, and that, so that means all kinds of apps, you know, um, and, and who knows with, with, uh, you know, with things like AI and stuff like that too, because the thing is, the thing is, this, this is the thing, right? When it comes down to, um, companies, uh, if you can provide the same value, let's say the same value and service, uh, with a decentralized protocol, um, then 
it's going to be more attractive to to the to the people who are using that that business. Um, I, I always like to give the example of Uber, right? So like, uh, so Uber, um, like there's there's actually if someone creates a decentralized version of Uber and it's like the exact same UX UI. Um, you know, uh, drivers can onboard by doing something, whatever, and then you know, passengers can download the app. Um, and so now I've got a, I've got a choice. I can go to the, I need to go to the airport from my house, and it costs me a hundred bucks in Uber, and uh, and the driver makes seventy dollars on that trip. Uh, Uber takes thirty, right? That's thirty dollars of value being extracted by Uber. Uh, in the decentralized version, uh, the app feels exactly the same. I, I just want to check real quick and see how much my ride is to the airport. Um, it's only it's only eighty dollars, and uh, and then and and let's say that I ping. Uh, I, I request on both apps or whatever. Um, now the driver has the option. He's got both apps installed too, and he's, 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 he can work on both. But he sees that in Duber, decentralized Uber, that he's going to make $79 instead of $70 to take me to the airport. So of course, the driver is going to take that option every single time, and so am I. Uh, and so that's, a, that's a, you know, and I say 79, not, not, not $80 because, you know, um, in these decentralized systems, some, something needs to be used as incentive for people to maintain the, maintain the network, uh, you know, update code incentive for people to, 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 to participate. So, um, so most of the value created by that ecosystem is kept within that, within the ecosystem, which is a better value, more value for people and more efficient. So, um, so things like that will be disrupted for sure. Uh, now when we talk, talk about politics and governance, um, you know, this is also something that, that, uh, would be nice if, if there was decentralization. Um, I don't know, uh, I hope that one day, um, there's some degree of decentralization in, in governance, but, but also we, I don't think we're, we're quite ready for that yet because, uh, things like DAOs and decentralized governance are still in a discovery phase, right? We, we still don't know, like if you look at Dash, which is a really good example of an early crypto company that, uh, that, that was, that was full on DAO, the way they did the governance, um, you know, I know guys that were worked at Dash and they said it was such an inefficient system because they went so extreme in the way that, that, you know, that the community that they needed to vote on everything. Oh, you want to do, you know, uh, you know, you want 500 bucks from the treasury to do like a little local meetup. Like you need, you would need to, to make a proposal and have it voted on by the community and like that. And, and that could take weeks. It, that's super inefficient. So I think that, um, you know, right now it's too early to answer that question on from a governance perspective, because we maybe haven't found that right balance of efficiency and decentralization that kind of gives you the trust, uh, the, the uh, right. And also voting is interesting too, right? So like, um, you know, how, how should we do voting? Should it, should it be one token, one vote? Or should there be some degree of 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 of, of like knowledge based voting? Um, you know, and these so the bunch of people working on voting mechanisms right now to kind of figure out how, how to do that. So I think, you know, that is still a very early stage of development and and research and and and, and learning. Um, but I am a a decentralized kind of maxi. I, I like I like the idea of it. I think that as we create uh, as technology improves and things become more easy, um, where people don't really have to understand so much how it works on the back end. Um, for sure, everything that can be decentralized will be. And, uh, and, you know, who knows, maybe we'll see, uh, a country one day that, you know, that, that really, that, that adopts the idea and maybe it's not fully decentralized, but it is enough to provide trust in things like democracies, right? Like just think about if we had a decentralized voting process in the United States, for example, like, um, you know, every single four years, people bitch and complain about that, that, that it was a rigged election and it probably is every single time. Um, but you know, 50% of the country is, 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 is in an uproar. Uh, if that was done on chain and not, not to say that's decentralized, but it, but it is using decentralized technology for a, a broken, broken system. So if like every single valid, uh, citizen that, that could vote was issued a token that would be burnt when you cast your vote, like there, there's zero, it, it is all on Ethereum, whatever, like there's zero argument that could happen that there was corruption somehow in that, in that system, right? Like it would just be fact and it would be totally transparent and it would solve a huge system, you know, uh, it's a huge problem. But the question is, is that there's so much corruption in politics that more than likely there is rigging elections. And if people have so much power that they can actually get away with rigging elections, imagine the last thing that they would ever want is transparency in government. Plus they make, politicians don't make a lot of money. You know, they're not making huge bank. They're all not getting, you know, they're all millionaires, but not because their government salary pays them that. It's because there's lobbying that exists and they get paid to, to say yes or no on voting. And like, you know, and, and, and this is where lobbying comes into play. And so, um, yeah, so that, I, yeah, that's, I mean, that's a long-winded question your or answer to your question, but yeah. But I think there, there were a lot of things you touched on, um, an important 
things to talk about. I think governance and the the idea of you know DAOs being a new form of of, of governance system um, is going to be one of the main drivers when we're talking about the future of Web three. So you know this is obviously a huge topic, but um, I wanted to talk to about this with you anyway because one of the the reasons um, I initially approached you and were like, oh, we need to meet up in in Thailand was I saw a video and this idea that you had um, of creating a and I think you you had a first like. A trial run or an MVP of like the House of Dow, right? Which is um, really exciting because it, it. I mean, the Dow part you can talk about, but what I'm also even more so interested in is this intersection between the real world and the digital world and creating a hub and a community of people that are all passionate about building things on chain, you know, creating a decentralized future while connecting in real life. So maybe you can talk a little bit about that as well. Right. So I think one of the one of the things that we're noticing in kids, like young kids who are addicted to their phones and just, you know, they, they would much rather be popular on TikTok than they would be with their real circle of friends. Um, you know, we're we're missing this this uh, like human connection aspect. Um, I, you know, I, I'm not sure if kids, I think, you know, I'm not sure if kids miss it so much because maybe they don't even know what it feels like. But I do know that for me and a lot of people that I know, um, and probably like, and, and probably, uh, you know, hopefully that, that kind of, and, and if, if we can develop a community like that and kids are born in these communities, then hopefully that becomes important and still relevant to people. Um, but you know, on, on, let's make a, let's make a kind of an analogy that people can relate to, you know, as, uh, you know, we had the pandemic and so a lot of companies started, you know, having people work from home that maybe didn't, didn't do it before. And they never, they realized it that they, maybe they were just as efficient and they don't have to pay office rent anymore. So like, um, now you have the ability for people to be nomadic and work from a laptop anywhere in the world, and and now no longer are people bound to go to an office every single day, uh, and 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 people, you know, if you're paying a lot of money because you're living in Seattle or LA or or whatever in America, and you realize that like you can go do the exact same job, um, but work from like a beautiful paradise island somewhere, or or maybe like you know the ski slope somewhere or whatever, um, and. Uh, you're super passionate about an industry where that, that other people don't want to talk about. For me, when I lived in America, all I wanted to do for a long time was talk about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, but none of my friends or family wanted to want to talk about it. So, you know, we're sitting there at a, at a, at a family dinner or a friends dinner or whatever, and they're all talking about like, you know, uh, I don't know, some reality TV show or some sports game or like the, the bullshit narrative on the mainstream media. And I just had nothing to talk about, just fucking you know, bored out of my mind, like no, 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 like just thinking about how ridiculous this was. And then every time I brought up something that was like had to do with Bitcoin, even if it wasn't, you know, like you know, even if it wasn't like the value of it, but it was just more like the benefits of the life that could be, you know, and like just, you know, no matter how I phrase it, they didn't want to hear about it. It was just the same thing, blah 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 blah. And so like I felt completely isolated, even though I was surrounded by people that like I loved and cared about. Um, and, uh, and the only place to really find community was online, which is okay. Um, but like, you still don't really have, I mean, you know, it's, 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 it's okay. Um, but then at a crypto conference, like that's when I felt alive. Like I, I go, go to crypto conferences, like boom, surrounded by like hundreds or thousands of people that, uh, that think like me, that, that we all kind of know exactly what's going on in the market. And like, I've got tons of stuff to talk about with, with, with these people. So, um, so, you know, I, so I was addicted uh, to crypto conferences for like, you know, two years where all I did is like go to conferences, like every, like, you know, three out of four of the weeks of the month, I was at a conference somewhere, you know, every five days I was playing somewhere else. And, uh, I just, I, I just always want to be surrounded by people that were in the industry, um, because I felt like it was all family and, and, uh, and it, after a while that got exhausted, uh, exhausting. And I didn't need to network anymore because I knew everybody. And, um, and I would, you know, it, it just became unaf- like expensive and exhausting. So I thought, well, like maybe if there's a physical place that, that where a bunch of people gather that, uh, you know, so I can kind of bring that crypto conference to me, um, then I can still be surrounded by like-minded people. And, uh, and then if you get a bunch of valuable people together, um, to generate ideas, work together, share networks, like, oh yeah. So where, where I was going earlier with the, with the, the companies working remotely is like, um, now when, when, when projects or companies do have a, 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 like a decentralized team, um, they do find that when they take some time for everyone to come together. So even, even companies that are super decentralized, maybe one, two, three, four weeks out of the year, they will get everyone together in one place physically. And they, what they will find is that they will be incredibly productive uh, when they're all together, you know, and I can have, you know, I've, I've got teams that I work with remotely too. And maybe we do a call or two or three a week at an hour or two each time. But, but sometimes, you know, we'll get together and we'll, we'll like lock each other in a room for, for three days, you know, and but we will get done an insane amount of work. So like, um, yeah, so, so, you know, having, uh, 
being physically you know, with somebody and, and being able to spend a lot of time. And if you get a, a community of, of, of people that, um, you know, and also people don't want to be criticized for like a lot of people in blockchain have a new way of looking at life. Like, you know, it, it, if, if and when I have kids one day, which, which I probably will one day, like I don't want to put them in a normal school system. I think it's a waste of time, right? But in, in a lot of places, you would be severely criticized. And in, in some cases, like my friend Didi, you know, the, from the Bitcoin family, like they almost put him in jail in Holland for taking his kids out of school, right? And like, so, so you know, for people who, who want to, uh, you know, have a more forward-thinking type of, of, of community, who don't want to be uh, like judged or criticized for the way they, they try and do experiment things, like, um, you know, most people in crypto have that open mind that to, to learning new things, being, you know, and, and so, the, and, the, and I can go on to that idea forever about, um, you know, what I want, you know, what, what, like House of Dow, uh, I, I think should be, um, you know, of course, when I did it the first time, uh, I just did it really, really quickly without thinking too much about it. Um, and it was an experiment that, uh, because I was gone for such a long time, um, you know, my, my ex-partner at the time was a horrible, horrible person, like just completely abused it and, and it didn't really work out so well. Um, and, I, and, and, you know, lesson learned from that was like, you know, you really need to put a lot more time, energy and research into something before you, before you do it. Um, but it's still something that I really want to do one day, but, um, but, you know, to, to sell this. And I think the value proposition is, is, is incalculable. You, you, you can't even imagine the amount of value that that thing, but it's hard when if you pitch it to an investor and say, "Hey, I need a hundred million dollars to build this community, you know, the, the infrastructure, the blah blah blah," you know, well, what's the ROI going to be? Well, you can't really. It's not going to be a super lucrative like hotel, for example, that's making a bunch of money because they're they're charging you know expensive nightly rates and all this stuff and 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 food and beverage and blah blah blah. Um, it's gonna, the the real value is going to come from like being able to draw really attractive talent. You know, like if you're if you're a really extremely talented ta developer who like you know who lives in your mom's basement, like and you, you see a commercial for this like sick crypto resort, like where there's just like you know like you know tons of like awesome things and like parties and like you know and, and, and like you know other developers like hook it up with girls or something, which they've probably never done in their life. Like they're gonna be super excited, and and if if they have, if they're really talented and they can go work for any company in the world, you know they can they'll probably come there, and then you can probably get that talent to come work for you. Um, and the amount of incubation and things that would be done there, and the amount of products that would be would be shipped, um, that, that that value is 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 insane. So that's um, you know, and 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 in the long term, I'd like to have these things, you know, all over the world, um, in in different types of environments, with some up in the Northern Lights, and some are in Mexico, and some are in in, in New York and Thailand, and blah, blah blah. So that the, the idea would be that like uh, you would always have a place that you can call home with a similar culture and vibe. But a lot of people like to go to different you know, travel and be nomadic. So that's that's kind of the idea. And I know that you have a lot of thoughts on that too. And you guys have been thinking about it as well. And so I do hope that like, you know, that one day we can make this happen. And um, and so it's not, it's not we will, we will. It's, it, and right, right now it's it's not a big focus because um because it, it will be a tremendous amount of work when to to do it eventually. But uh, but you know, right now that's that's one of my, my my driving reasons for for wanting to make a lot of money is so that like I don't have to go ask for money to build it. I can just do it myself or do it with some friends or whatever. Um, and so that's part of the reason that drives me to continue to 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 build the treasury to to do be able to do something like that. Amazing. And I love this topic so much because before we continue, I quickly want to highlight the sponsor of today's episode. This episode is brought to you by Apex, the Web3 social media platform that I, as the host of this podcast, am also a founder of. We all spend time on social media, whether that's hours of creating content or consuming it. Either way, we're making social media companies valuable without being compensated for it. So my team and I decided to change that. The Apex app is a new social network that rewards you for every interaction on the platform. It's the easiest way to kickstart your Web3 journey. Join me and start getting rewarded for your passion by downloading the app today. This is really, you know, about the future. It goes beyond just the things we're doing now. It's about future generations, about how they're being raised, about all the systems. How do we now put them together into a place, into an infrastructure where you can, you know, have children grow up and be completely different humans where you're not growing up and you are already from the start being like, manipulated with certain thought forms and you have to go to school and you have to do this and you have to do that, but there is more freedom and it's just a different way of upbringing. It's a different way of living. And like you said, I, I love that about the space is that you find people are so like-minded in different areas. It's not just about crypto. It's not just about blockchain. It's a philosophy almost. It's like a way of, of life, the way you view things, the perspective you have um, and yeah, open-minded people. And I, I, I absolutely love it. So my team and I, we had that same vision of like, 
there's going to be, and I'm not going to say the word yet, but um, something happening, right? A community, whatever it's going to be called at the end of the day, but where you can make things happen, you can build things, you can get creative together. And there's an intersection of real world and digital because we also believe that it's super important to stay close to nature. We don't want this you know, dystopian world where in the end you just have VR glasses on and there's no real world interaction anymore. While at the same time, we're very bullish on those technologies. So um, I think it's it's truly about finding that balance and how can we use technology to enhance the real world and not destroy it. Yeah, so one more thing too on, on that um, is that, uh, so I think, I think well, actually I missed maybe the most, most important thing is that, um, is that every single piece of land on the planet right now is occupied by a nation state. And, uh, and so, so the idea of DAOs and things like that, um, you know, the best that we could ever do, even if a DAO was efficient and we, we found good models, um, they could only really work on for for DAOs and uh, online, you know, um, and and uh, and so so for the idea for a country, a nation state, for to be decentralized and have a, a transparent government, government, um, you know, that's pretty far fetched right now. But um, but you know, with something like House of DAO, you know, maybe the uh, you know maybe the first one is is, is somewhere normal, but ideally, um, you know. We would be working with uh, with different people who have already been working on creating things like charter cities. And a charter city, for anyone who doesn't know, is uh, is is a is a city that's being built um, usually in the the borders of some country, but they've made a deal with the government of that country and said, "Hey, uh, we want to do this thing. Uh, we want to build this city, and uh, and and we want you to predominantly leave us alone." Um, as far as like, as far as like, we, you know, we don't want to, you know, we don't, we're not going to pay you taxes. We don't, you, we don't want your laws to be, to be you know, inflicted on us. Um, but we do want your protection in case someone tries to invade us. And, uh, and then, um, and they become essentially a sovereign state and, and they, they, the, 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 there's usually value that, uh, that flows into the country that they make a deal with. You know, there's a lot of different things like, for example, Seasteading Institute back in the day made a deal with French Polynesia to where, where they can help, you know, with this, uh, the, the, the rising sea levels and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, there's value exchanged. Um, and so I think that, you know, everything that we talked about, whether it's a, a new monetary system, it's a new way of, of, of governance and voting and, and, you know, House of Dow and, and the, the way that, you know, how do the rules get made and how are they, how are they even followed and what happens if someone's bad and, and, um, and how does land work and blah, blah, blah. Like these, we can start experimenting in House of Dow with decentralized governance and things like that. And, um, and then, you know, if they're built on in, in sovereign states, we could actually have our own rules. What does tax look like and blah, 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 and blah, blah, the rules. And then, and, and also, okay, and, and guess what? The kids are not going through public school here. They're doing, you know, they're, they're, they're being taught like how to monetize their passion and they're being taught how to figure things out themselves and they're being taught how to use the internet. And then, and, and like, eventually you'll, you'll start having a lot of evidence of kids raised in these, and you can compare them to the alternative. And you can, you can say, Hey, look at, this is this kid. He's 14 years old. Look at, all he knows how to do, he has his own business. He speaks five languages. He's like super smart. You know, he can survive in the wilderness. And then you got this other fourteen-year-old kid, uh, like you, you know, from America, who like doesn't know anything and just play video games all day long and like has no life experience. Like, and then you, and then you say like, you know, which way would you rather raise your kids? Like, this is this is how our kids are raised, and this is how your kids are raised. Um, and and I, and I like the idea because it's the the Bitcoin approach for adoption, which is very non-contentious. It's not very aggressive. You know, Bitcoin never says, "Hey, you need to use Bitcoin." You know, it's just saying like, "Here, I'm an option here." This is how I operate. Here's my rules. And you're welcome to use me if you want to, but you don't have to. And you do that by providing something that's so good, so much better than the alternative that people choose to participate in that system. I'd like to see, I would like to see a, a vast majority of the world where people have the ability to, to choose which governing system that they lived in, you know, and, and kind of I'll extrapolate on a little bit further. Like, so if you could start to have these uh, these sovereign states that were created around the world where there's micronations, new micronations popping up, each with different experimental governance structures, um, that would make a lot of sense. Why? Because uh, people are different, right? So people love rules. They love, love, love regulations. Like, like they would freak out if there's no rules, right? And then some people like love anarchy and they, they think that pure capitalism and free market should, should and then there's a whole spectrum in between that. And so if you had a bunch of micronations, let's say hundreds of them around the world where uh, they each had different type of, types of, um, they, were, they were each uh, had their own types of governance and, um, and they, they had this land and now they were building these, these developments. They, and they wanted to attract citizens. Well, imagine if, if governments couldn't, like right now I'm born in America, so I'm American. And, and if I want to leave, I have to be super rich and it's a, it's a headache and like, it, it's a nightmare, right? So you're, you're, you're essentially a prisoner to the country in which you're born and it's really, really difficult for you to leave there. And so therefore you, you're bound by their rules and blah, blah, blah. But what if instead you weren't? What if you could choose freely to enter and exit 
a a a a nation, right? And and uh, in that in that case, you would start to have these different uh, these different nations who were competing for citizenships. They would be campaigning, "Hey, we're the best place because of this, this, and this." And if we went there and found out that they were lying to us, like you just leave, right? You just leave, and like they they would be out of business. And so, uh, th- this is the biggest paradigm shift ever. It's like if you had the if you, it, governments would finally do what they're supposed to be doing and working for the people, you know, if there was if, if if there was the ability for people to freely leave those places uh, if they didn't feel like they were being, uh, you know, true to what their job was, and that that is, I, I think, what what would evolve the world to a much more higher, uh, you know, consciousness, a much more higher civilization where you know a lot of greed was eliminated, a lot of you know a lot of the corruption and crime was eliminated. Like one day, if we do get there, we will be an entirely different species where where things are much better on this planet. So. Um, that's how I see kind of, you know, decentralized, this, you know, the whole thing evolving over time. And I, I hope that we do get there. That's a very, very utopian, but, um, but I do think it's possible. Absolutely agree with that. And um, it's such, it's, it's so much fun to think about it. You know, when you think about a future where you're able to actually decide what you want uh, to do, what you want the governments to look like, what you want the education to look like, where you're able to, you know, create it freely, creatively, and you're not sort of tied into the already existing existing systems, but just, you know, more up-to-date curriculums and all of that. Um, by the way, have you heard of T- Telosa? I just heard about this. Uh, somebody told me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Okay. Okay, can I just ask one last question? Okay. Um, all right, thank you so much, Kyle. You answered a lot and even more. Um, you, you said so many, there were so many valuable things that you mentioned um, here without me even asking about it, you know, from like DAOs to um, the future of, well, the future of our world, how we can, you know, merge decentralization with the real world and um, create new systems. So I have one final question before we wrap this up. With everything that you're doing from Master Ventures to Paid Network to all the other projects, how do you, you know, stay productive and split your time between being, you know, the CEO of Paid Network, of Master Ventures or other projects? What does a day in your life look like? Yeah, good question. And, um, and something that, uh, you know, it's been challenging, um, you know, but I, I think that the key, the key aspect is really um, is, you know, we, we do things uh, like, I, I take on a, a new project or or something when I feel like um, there's enough trust within the management system of of the last one um, to where I don't have to be as involved, right? So like that that because usually what will happen is um, and and I think for now, by the way, like with with the with the layer one hero that we're building and paid network and master ventures, um, I don't think that you'll you'll see um, any kind of new big projects coming out of here. We have a lot to work on right now, and um, but I think what's important is. Uh, you know, and the reason I wanted to do these things too is because um, I think everything that we're building in under Master Ventures, uh, first of all, they're they're all they're all um, cohesive. It's a big big cohesive ecosystem, meaning that uh, everything that we're building will benefit from each other and can be used within each other, and they all add value to each other. So some people think that wow, you've got like you know these these I don't know four or five different kind of companies that you're that you're working on, um, but but when you really get into them. You understand that there they are working together. There's a lot of the same things that are you know, being done within them, uh, and maybe some of them are being built because they can't really be as good without the other thing being built. Um, and so they, they don't deviate dramatically. Like like you know, paid has a launch pad um, which does deal flow. Well, Master Ventures is an, is a fund, so we already get deal flow. It's not like I have to do a bunch of extra work for that, right? We just had to build the infrastructure for it, um, and then we have the team that does marketing and blah blah. blah. Um, and then you know, when it comes down to like uh, creating tokens, like once you understand token economics and you like make sure that you're like I just love you know that then you can apply those throughout all your different projects. And then um, and so it's really about creating the the really unique idea. Making sure that the team that you hire uh, to, to to do the day to day operations, the executives, that they understand very clearly what that idea is, and that you trust them, and that you're checking in to make sure that things don't deviate and go off track too much. Um, and, uh, and and then you know, but but a lot of things do happen. It's really it is really really hard. And so you know, this is why Master Ventures is just kind of the um, like we we're not really just a, we're really like a, a managing the companies that we're building and making sure that you know that things don't don't fall off track. Um, and so I, I think team and, you know, I've gone through, um, 
several different teams to get to the one that I have today where, you know, the, the first couple iterations, you know, it, it, they weren't great, you know? And, and so learning how to, you know, once you find a really good team member, it's, it's total solid gold. And, you know, like, and that, that's really the, the way that you can do it. And the only way that you can do it is, is really a lot of good support. Um, but, you know, like Elon does it, right? And I'm not saying that I'm Elon, but like, I'd like to think maybe maybe one day I looked at him in, in the crypto space. He, he has many different companies that are all successful um, and he's able to, you know, able to, to, to make them all successful. And so it's, it's, it's he's, a, he's a clear example of someone who can make, get it done. It's about finding out how to, how to make sure that you can do them efficiently. And, and I'm, I'm still learning, you know? So a lot of people look at what I do and say, hey, your, your, your attention's too scattered. Um, but not if I have amazing CEOs running these projects and amazing people have done it before. Like, I'm just creating ideas, you know? And then making sure that there's really good executors uh, that, that were working with me that can help see that through. I can absolutely relate to that, you know, you, that it's, everything is one ecosystem, right? It all makes sense. There's a bigger vision for it. And um, of course, as we can see from all your ventures, you know, you are able to make it happen. If you have that skill of being able to build great teams, then you can, you can, you can get a lot done. So it really comes down to that, like you said. Thank you so much, Kyle. I truly appreciate uh, you taking the time. Um, I would love to do this more often with you because there's so many different topics like you, we can, we can get into. Um, one final question, where can people find you um, to follow your ventures and um, see what you're up to? Yeah, that, uh, that's, a, that's a good, well, so my, my uh, so you can go to my, my Twitter, I think it's uh, Kyle underscore Chasse. Um, and then I, th but I think that recently they made Linktree, let's see, Linktree, uh, it still works. They, they, I, th I thought they banned Linktree from Twitter. I guess they brought it back. So yeah, I got Linktree on my Twitter, which means that, and hopefully you put it in the description below. I will send you, Uma, the, the different social media links. Um, and so you can go, go there and, and find, uh, find different information. I have a YouTube channel, Twitter, you know, different company sites, stuff like that too. So. Right. We will put everything in the description. So, so that's, that's perfect. Well, again, thank you so much, Kyle. Truly appreciate it. So many value um, bits. I hope everyone could get something out of here. I'm sure everyone did, um, you know, had, there were multiple things that you said, I think that, um, yeah, sure. So give so much wisdom um, and you shared your, your wisdom through all these years. So again, thanks Kyle. And I hope to see you soon. Thanks. You're right. Bye. And as always, it truly helps if you subscribe to the channel, if you haven't already, because this allows me to continue bringing these episodes to you. So thanks for watching, and I will see you in the next episode. Bye for now.